Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Teresa Voza. Teresa is an executive coach and leadership authority for ambitious women professionals working in high-pressure organizations. With over 20 years of executive experience, most recently at the C-level for a global organization, she is walking away from it all in return for a transcendent life. After experiencing a life-altering experience of her own, Teresa is on a mission to flip traditional leadership on its head and show women how to make the shift from high pressure to transcendent lives, both personally and professionally. If the pandemic has taught her anything, it is the time of reckoning for women is now. Oh, I am so excited to have know, you here today, I Teresa. I got chills. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, you know, you are definitely bringing the energy here of massive awareness around the invitation, mm. right? The invitation that the time of reckoning for women is now. So, uh, mm. and that alone just gives me the chills. So, I want to start our time together today, Teresa, by really kind of beginning more towards the beginning. It sounds to me like you may have had a traditional career path for many women of a certain generation. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about where you started, how you got into working in high pressure organizations yourself, like what was a little bit of that trajectory? Let's start with that first. Yeah, that's a great question, Angel. I I have to say I fell into corporate. It wasn't my start. Uh, I worked in social work, which was high pressure in and of itself, and then realized pretty quickly that that was too much pressure. And so from there, I decided to go into corporate and I went back to school and I became very quickly actually climbing up the corporate ladder in human resources. And I have to say, I loved it. I love the emphasis on people. I love the emphasis on organizational behavior and the focus on leadership and performance. All of those things I still greatly love. And I found that as I climbed the ladder, the pressure grew greater. And at each stage of that, you know, ladder, I found that I was using counterproductive ways to manage the high pressure and ignored my body signals that I was going to be reaching a point in which 
it was no longer sustainable. And, but I just kept going. That's the thing. I just kept going. And for all of those high achieving women out there, and I know there's many that listen to your podcast, that is what we do. That's part of our DNA is that we don't know when to stop. And so we push past the point of feeling comfortable. And that basically reached a crescendo, you know, five years ago when I had a massive anxiety attack in front of my CEO and I had to get up and leave. And I was taken out in a stretcher in front of all of the employees. It was highly embarrassing. And that really started my journey around looking at what was the price I was going to pay to keep going at this pace in seeking that external validation that I only felt I could attain if I was at a really high level in the corporate world. And that crucible moment, which is, you know, the word I love to use and is the name of my my group coaching program as well, is the reason I became an entrepreneur was that I reached a turning point. It was time. It was time for me to do it differently and to take those crucible moments in an effort to teach others how exactly to do it differently. Mm. And it's been quite successful so far. Great. Well, I I want, there's like so much here. (laughs) So I think where I want to go with this is I'd like to have you speak because I really want to help the listeners who Mm. are in that like approaching. They're on the runway to that crucible moment, right? And so I'd love to have you just talk a little bit about three things. Mm -hmm. One is, do you have any clarity within yourself about like the specific pressures Mm -hmm. that you were facing? Mm -hmm. Two, do you have any clarity around some of the coping mechanisms that you began to employ yourself and three this not knowing keep going thing i think that's a a separate question so let's just take those two right now like the pressures if you could identify those some of those so that we can really help our listeners to position themselves and say oh shit that's me right or some of the tactics that would be great Yeah, I can. My first question was only three. I had so many, but let me start with the, with three. I think number one, the obvious is that I worked in a very male dominated environment. So that is probably no surprise to, to many of your listeners who are probably facing the exact same thing and not having an understanding at the time of the differences that that posed, everything from how I would present to how I would respond to a criticism, to how I would lead a team or promote myself. The pressure I felt was always that I had to communicate in a way that was misaligned with who I was. I mean, who says that the qualities of 
of being nurturing and caretaking are wrong qualities to bring into the corporate environment. I would say that those are our superpowers. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I felt like I had to fit a box of being very aggressive to compete with the other personalities at the table, many of which at the time were solely men. So that would be one. Another one would be facing the barrage of criticism that I posed to myself. You know, we all are aware of that inner critic. And it was like a well-worn sweater that whenever I said something or put forth an argument, that there was always a voice that followed that said, oh, that was so stupid. Or, oh, why did he look at me that way? So there was this constant second guessing, which only upped the ante for me to continue to try to impress. And that constant need to impress is what led me to working extra hours, which is what led me to over-explaining and not using the influence that I needed to use at the time. Mm. And I would say the third would be and I talk about this a lot with my female clients as well, is ditching the non-promotable tasks. And I often talk about this, that we as women sometimes get subject to being asked to do things that are not going to further our careers, but in an effort to please and in, in an effort to be visible, we say yes. And we say yes often. Mm. And we say yes to the wrong things. And our personal power or our executive power, if that is what a woman wants to do and be, is to really be that woman that confidently can say, that doesn't work for me or not at this time. And I had to relearn that after that crucible moment in, in 2015. And I think if there's anyone in your audience who's at that level, whether you're a manager or director, whatever it is, and you're thinking about climbing that corporate ladder and you can already feel the quell of high pressure, I would say that that is the time to really take stock of what are you saying yes to? Like, what are you accepting as being okay in your career and really taking a good look at whether or not what you're doing is aligned with you or aligned with, you know, the others at the table. And in many cases, that's men. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the words that are coming right now that I just want to put into the space is what I'm hearing here is it's really making the choice between being relational. And, mm. and kind of spreading your energy out mm. in a variety of different areas, which is why we say yes to the things we probably should be saying no to, being mm. relational versus being self-preservational, which, yes. yeah. And if you are going to elevate yourself, your main job is to say as many no's as possible in yes. that in that old paradigm, in that old paradigm, or as in your case, say no to the whole paradigm right. <laughs> and walk right. out and start your own thing. So 
we are rapidly approaching our break. And so what I want to do is I want to um, just quickly ask you about, was there any warning sign that, that you could have, if you had to do over again, that you could have seen, whether it was in your physical health or whether it was mm-hmm. you know, some other signal that you missed that might have allowed you to avoid the embarrassment of having an anxiety attack and being taken out in an ambulance. Wow. I wish I, I, yeah, exactly. I would say the first thing that comes to my mind is from a physical stance is the anxiety. Mm. Now I know anxiety is rampant. And in this case, it was constant. There's a difference between the normal anxiety that arises when you're about to do a presentation or a podcast interview or anything like that, where you want to leave an impression. This was different. This was the kind of anxiety that I was feeling all the time from Mm. the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep. Mm. And so that was the very first thing that I noticed was increasing in quantity and frequency and was harming me. And yeah. I wish I had known at the time that enough was enough. Yeah, beautiful. All right. Well, ladies, if you're feeling any anxiety on a chronic nonstop, get up in the morning, and I'm feeling anxious, go to bed at night, I'm feeling anxious, go to work, I'm feeling anxious, hang out on the weekend, I'm feeling anxious. That's probably a signal that you may not want to end up in an ambulance. Uh, We are going to take a quick break. Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. We want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners in 94 countries around the world. We just found out that on Listen Notes, our show is in the top 1% of all shows across all genres all over the world. So we are welcoming thousands of downloads and thousands of listeners from all over the world. And thank you for that distinction. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Toronto, which is where Teresa is from. And uh, also to our listeners in Chile and our listeners in China. And we'll do all the three C's uh, today. And we will be right back with Teresa Boza. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back. Uh, You can find out more about Teresa and her crucible moment body of work that she's doing with her coaching clients, her group 
at TeresaVoza.ca. We will have that link for you in the show notes. Thank you so much for that, Teresa. Folks can go there and find out more and uh, make a conversation happen with Teresa to see if it's a good fit for you to join in and uh, be served by her. So I want to talk now about, like, you got the two by four, right? So there's the whisper, right? And then there's the knock. And the knock was probably the anxiety constantly, right? There might've been a whisper before that, but the knock was the constant anxiety. And then, and then you got the two by four (laughs) right upside the head. So I'd love to have you talk about what happened from that moment that made you make the decision to just quit the corner office and start your own adventure into entrepreneurship. Mm, Yeah. Well, I wish I could tell you that I stopped right then and there, but I didn't. I'm a sucker for punishment, so I went back for more. But what I did do was I started the journey. So this is the time in which I started really learning to understand what was it that led me to this place. So that looked like at the time, some good therapy, which I always, always recommend if it's a chronic state. And I also really started to work on myself through getting coached myself. Mm -hmm. And so with that work, and I've done that work now for five years, I really came to understand that I have something important to say. And I was able to use that knowledge that I gained in all of those years and show up very differently in my last five years of my corporate career. So the beauty was that it didn't end on a terrible note. I was able to take the learnings, exert my influence, get promoted once again, really enjoy that. And then when the pandemic hit, another crucible moment hit, which was I love this so much, what started off as a little side hustle and Mm -hmm. and grew larger, that I I want to do this more often and with more women and have impact. And I know there's so many of us out there that are thinking about the same thing, the whole life after corporate. I would say that life is a series of crucible moments, and I've come to understand that those are to be embraced. You know, I think I I listened to to someone else today and said something like, we either win or we grow. And Mm -hmm. I love that expression because it was, there's no failure in these types of crises, if you will. There's Mm -hmm. only growth. And that's what led me to doing what I love today. So it's like a reinvention of me, which is great. Yeah, I've heard that uh, saying, we either win or we learn. So it's yeah. either we win or we learn, we win or we grow. I'm not sure who to credit that to. It's not not yeah. myself and it's not Teresa. No. So, uh, <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, we love it. It's like what, what I like to call the perennial wisdom. So yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit now because there is that vision. There is that dream. I think for, I mean, I left more of a corporate type of situation myself 20 years ago and when I left the real estate industry. And I knew that I was going to die if I stayed another minute. So Mm -hmm. I was what you would call a leaper. Like I knew I was going to die if I stayed another minute. So I just took a flying leap and face planted a few times and threw spaghetti against the wall and didn't know what the hell I was doing. And it took me until 2009 before I actually invested 
to get help in um, mentors and, and coaches and so forth for myself. But between 2001 and 2009, I was just like mm-hmm. one, of, one of those birds that has like broken wings flying yeah, into yeah. walls yeah. and stuff. You were more of what I'm hearing, a like bridge builder, like you yeah. did the side hustle and you built the bridge from where you were to uh, where you are now. So I'm curious, how do you help your women mm-hmm. either make the decision to jump off and find their wings, mm-hmm. right? Or to begin the process of making the decisions and putting those stepping stones in place yeah. that will allow them to do it when they're hearing the whisper or even the knock? It's a great question. Yeah, I would say that one of the biggest leaps for me in moving from a corporate career to an entrepreneur is the identity shift. It's It was a significant identity shift for me to move from an environment in which there are procedures and rules and there's what I would call structure and form to being an entrepreneur where there is no (laughs) structure or form. It's like, you're going to make it and you're going to create it. You're going to do it all. And so that has been the biggest, I would say the biggest learning I've encountered in the transition. One of the things I would say to my clients, or I would get them to start thinking about is where their core desires actually reside. Because one of the things I understand now is that if how you want to feel on a regular basis is misaligned with where you spend most of your time, whether that's in corporate or otherwise, then there's a disconnect there. So we first get them really in touch with what do you really, really want? And then I poke holes at it and I challenge it just to ensure that it's not the paradigm or the, you know, the limiting belief that's speaking, or is it the truth? So we spend some time really dissecting that first. And then from that place, we really start to then map out a path. Well, what does that look like for you? I'm someone that came from a corporate world where there were rules. And so rules work for me. Having those ladder steps to becoming an entrepreneur fit my persona. Others, like maybe like yourself, like you just took a leap, which is like, I love people like that. I wish I could do that. So it really depends on the drive and the motivation of the client in front of me or of the woman in front of me. But I think it all starts with. What do you really, really want? And really mining for gold, like really looking for where the desire resides. Yeah, except what I heard there when you said it the first time, and I just want to really dive into this a little bit more, is how do you want to feel? Yeah. You know, I think for me, that what do you want question was life changing. When, mm-hmm. when somebody asked me that question, what do you want? For me, the life-changing moment was I actually get to have wants of my own. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. Yeah. And But the more subtle and actually more potent question I think here is how do you want to feel? Because sometimes we get the question, what do you want? And we fill in the blank with what we think we want, but totally. Yeah. So I'd love to have you just go a little bit deeper into the feel piece. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out because it's true. If 
I were to simply ask, what do you really want? What I often hear is, well, I want freedom or I want, I want to not be stressed. And we start with what we don't want, mm-hmm. like the knots. But then when we go a layer deeper, this is when I start asking questions around like, you know, for what purpose are you doing X? Like if you're a corporate executive, which is most of the clients I work with are at that executive level, for what purpose? What does this evoke in you? Is it impact? Is it influence? Do you feel electric? Do you feel lit up? Like I look for words that are much juicier than the standard, well, I want to be able to support my family, or mm-hmm. I want to be able to be able to afford going on a trip once or twice a year. Those are outcomes. Those mm-hmm. are not feelings. So we really have to differentiate between feelings and outcomes. So we spend a lot of time looking at that first. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And I just want to really underscore that because sometimes I think we do try to give immediately actionable steps here. And I want to be really clear that the deeper work is accessing the feelings because it's not necessarily getting the Lamborghini. It may Mm -hmm. be the feeling you get sitting in the Lamborghini Mm -hmm. that you really want or whatever it is, the corner office or the cruise or the, you know, summer where you spend the entire summer out in the woods. You know, it's it's Mm -hmm. each of us will get a certain awareness of our own feelings if somebody like you, Teresa, is actually able to focus us in on what is it that we want to feel, and then we can make even more conscious and transcendental decisions. Exactly. And that's why I love the word transcendental, because it really is about becoming so self-aware, right? And when we become so self-aware, we're tapping into higher mental faculties here, right? So this is where we talk a lot about imagination and visualization and really almost having an experience whereby when you imagine being at your happiest or most fulfilled, what are you imagining it to be? And sometimes, especially for, you know, I find for more corporate women, that takes some time to get to because we're not, we don't often think in that way in the, in the corporate setting. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, well, because, because you've been conditioned not to. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we do have rules here. And one of the rules is we have to end on time. And so I, I'm sure that you and I could spend a lot of time mm-hmm. and go much deeper into this conversation. But I'm going to end our time together today and encourage our listeners to find out more about working with you if they are in the position of getting the knock. Yeah. Right. Go before you get the two by four to visit with Teresa (laughs) and make make sure that you check her out uh, through the show notes. We'll have the link to her site again. So listeners, we definitely love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open and remember, You are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. 
Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.